What's up, everybody? Welcome into the F6 Football Podcast. Cam Copeland here joining you, as always, with Alex Roglin. And man, we had a fun wild card weekend. Everything, so much happened. Uh, our brackets are in shambles. My brackets in shambles. We're definitely going to be talking about that today. So much unexpected happened. There were there were implosions, um, and there are definitely some good storylines to talk about. Alex, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Cam. I'm doing great. Uh, it was it was something. I mean, it, you know, that was a great weekend of football. Um, not great in a sense that the games were close. Because there was really, there was honestly only one game that was like engaging yeah. where I felt like either team could win it and actually had me, you know, glued to my seat to watch to the end. Um, which is crazy to think that the rest of the games were all, you could have, I mean, they were all pretty much done at halftime, honestly. Like the, the, I mean, they were, they were, they were all blowouts and, and you could have not watched the second half of any of those games and you wouldn't have missed anything. So it wasn't great in that sense, but it was great because it's playoff football, one of my favorite times of the year. This is when the the, the the men get separated from the boys, and uh, and and we kind of see uh, it's it's uh, win and move, win and win and move on or lose and go home. Yeah, and as you said, three of those games anyway were decided by the half. At least three of them. I I remember I actually had to to turn it off because I had my grandfather's 90th birthday party this last weekend. We had lots of family in town, nice. people I haven't seen in over 10 years. So it was a lot of fun. Uh, and I was the only downside was got had to miss a little bit of football here and turned out it was fine because I already knew what was going to happen at the half. So it, it um, you know, we'll definitely get into it a little bit deeper. But yeah, the Rams Lions game was the only one that had me on the edge of my seat all weekend long. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So let's just let's just dive into them. Then let's give some some thoughts. Uh, we can kind of reference our playoff brackets and how we're doing as we went through. Um, so let's start with the first game, of course, which was the Houston Texans, Cleveland Browns. Um, oh, yeah, that that was, you know, it was I guess my thoughts on that is um, from 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 like an eye test perspective, this Texans team, it really reminds me a lot. There's a few different times, I think, of uh, in different teams throughout um, throughout history that they sort of not only are they better, quicker than the, than, than it's expected, but they just play with a certain um, – they just – they're loose, right? They have not – they play kind of like with that nothing to lose, right? Like they're playing with house money. They, they're No one's expecting them to do anything, and that actually gives them an edge over teams, you know, because in the playoffs, a lot of it is about not getting tight, right? It's being able to play loose, play with play what you've been doing all year, play within the scheme, and not everyone is able to do that. And, and this Texans team in particular reminds me of the 2018 Chiefs, um, the first year with Mahomes where – like Mahomes even said that year that he won MVP that year, right? Through 50 touchdowns, 5,000 yards. And he said he couldn't read defenses yet. So he was just purely out there, like on talent, on just on instinct, right? Like he had nothing to lose and he was just throwing the ball over the yard. Um, and so I think that in a lot of ways that that you can you can just watch this team on the sideline. They are so relaxed. They are just having a blast. I mean, they just love playing football. And man, you could tell pretty quickly the Browns got tight. Texans played loose, and before too long, that thing was out of reach. Yeah, and you know, going back to the beginning of the season, uh, there we talked a lot about the win totals, the Vegas odds on on division favorites, etc. Uh, you know, 
in the entire NFL, the Cardinals were supposed to be dead last. They were uh, had a 4.5 win total heading into the season or projected win total. Then there were four teams uh, right above them at 6.5. And those were the Raiders, Colts, and then the Buccaneers who were in the playoffs and the Texans who were in the playoffs. So these are teams that had been completely written off, right? Come in with a completely rookie coaching staff, rookie quarterback, questions along the offensive line, questions on who on earth is going to catch the ball on this team, right? Nico Collins, I believe he was a former third round pick. I can look that up. Uh, and then they had, what, Tank Dell as a rookie coming in. No, a lot of people liked him, but no one really expected him to, to thrive in, at 160 pounds in his rookie year, 165, that is. Uh, and he, he wasn't even in this playoff game, right? But this team just, they're very well coached. Stroud is showing things that he never showed in college, right? I mean, he played well in college. He deserved to be picked number two overall. But there are plays he's making that had not been seen on film by him yet. Hopefully that made sense. Um, so, you know, this team goes out, lights up the Browns. I know the Twitter sphere really is uh, sarcastically blaming the entire loss on Miles Garrett, which I think is pretty funny. Uh, but, man, isn't this an exciting team to watch? And they're going to be for a while. Now the coaching staff is going to get poached very quickly. But D'Amico Ryan's at the helm. I, I think they're going to be a dynasty here on out for, for the foreseeable future. Yeah, it sure looks like a steal in the fact that they got, you know, two two high first round draft picks. So you got CJ Stroud and Will Anderson uh for Bryce Young essentially. Um and so it looks like uh looks like the Texans for Deshaun um, Watson. Wait, for Bryce Young? No, I'm sorry. Well, well, no. No, they um <laughs> Deshaun Watson. Yeah. No, okay. it's Bryce Young right. at number 1. But no, I was saying but but I mean I, I mean obviously the Panthers though are, you know, maybe kicking themselves and this. You know, we'll see. There's long careers left, but and it's a different situation. But but the eye test right now certainly goes to C.J. Stroud and what he's been able to do this year. Um, so, I mean, I'll say on the Browns side, I, th I would think if you're a Browns fan, um, you still got to be pretty happy with yeah. – you, know, you got the coach figured out. You obviously got the defense. The defense didn't look very good in this game, but but historically the defense had been good you know, for most of the year. Um, and you got the coach figured out. You just got to get the quarterback situation figured out, you know? Um, I mean, Flacco did an, an, a great job filling in there late in the year, but I mean, it was like, it's not a Disney movie, right? Like at some point, at some point, you know, his, his flaws were going to come out. There's a reason he's a 38 year old backup journeyman and, uh, he did an admirable job filling in, but you know, I, I don't think, I don't even think diehard Browns fans really thought they were going to make it through all the other teams in the AFC, um, to make it to the Super Bowl. So if you're a Browns fan, you still, you know, you can celebrate the fact that, you have a stable front office and that you have a coach who, who knows what he's doing. Um, and I think has demonstrated that. And that's certainly a path forward. Yeah. You build on this roster and you pray to Sean Watson gets better because he's not going anywhere again, <laughs> yep. 200 mil on the cap. Um, if he, or of dead money, if you let go of him um, with 140 ish mil being applied to negatively to the cap this season, he's not going anywhere whatsoever. So hopefully he is taking his job very seriously and his rehab and comes back stronger uh, for for the team and the fans' sake. But yeah, I think uh, you know this this defense is in a great spot uh, moving forward as well. There's a lot of young talent um, throughout this defense with Denzel Ward and 
Jeremiah Uso, Cormella, right? A lot of the secondary pieces. You have Newsom. I don't know how much how much he's been playing, but I remember liking him a lot coming out of the draft here a couple of years ago. Um, I think that they get some good interior players in this next draft. Uh, you know, some some day two, day three players to to f- fill sort of these role positions that aren't being filled as well. And man, this this defense is just going to be humming for the next few years. So a lot, lot to be excited about. Uh, just a bummer that it ended the way it did with the Texans having more than three times the points scored of the Browns. <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right. Well, we can move on then to the next game, uh, which we had on Saturday night. And that was my beloved Chiefs uh, hosting the Miami Dolphins in the, I think, fourth coldest game in NFL history. Yep. I don't know if it, I don't think it has a name yet. It's not, you know, it's, there, there's there's the ice bowl and there's the freezer bowl. I haven't heard any names for this game yet, um, but uh, it was it was a cold one for sure. Um, but a couple thoughts. Well, the the yeah. thing is, nothing t- truly iconic happened yes. in this game. Yeah. It seems no, so. I, it probably won't get a name. Yeah, no. I, I and I remember we talked about this last week, Cam. I mean, I I honestly I think if these two teams played again, if, if they played ten more times, I would still take the Chiefs ten more times. Because with this with this Dolphins roster, they were so depleted, you know, on, especially on the defensive end. And honestly, they just looked like they did not want anything to do with the cold. Um, they they I mean, especially you look at how the Chiefs dominated the line of scrimmage. You know, I mean, just watch guys trying to tackle Isaiah Pacheco. And there was very few times where guys were actually getting in there full speed and wanting to tackle him. And uh you know, I can't blame them in a way because when it's, you know, negative seven degrees and it feels like it's negative 30, you know, your body, uh, your body's telling you not to do it, right? Your body's telling you to put a coat on and go sit on the sideline. So, um, but I was impressed with the Chiefs performance. Um, you know, Patrick Mahomes is unreal. Uh, you know, we've already seen that, but he elevates his game in the postseason. Um, and so, you know, he was able to even even with some drops and even some dumb penalties and uh, and a few bad decisions in the red zone and the Chiefs still you know really controlled that game throughout and it could have been even worse you know I know there Jawan Taylor had a bad a bad penalty that wiped a touchdown Travis Kelsey had like three or four drops you know which was which was also weird to see that when when Rasheed Rice didn't have any drops man he was catching everything and taking it downhill he looked great Chiefs defense looked elite. Um, so I think, um, and we'll, we'll look a little, we'll talk a little more about the game with the bills this weekend, but man, that is going to be a clash of Titans for sure. So I, I think some folks have been sleeping on the chiefs, but, but they are the defending champs for a minute. I mean, for a minute, they are defending <laughs> champs. Right. And, uh, and if the bills, uh, you know, look ahead, look past the chiefs, then, uh, they're going to be disappointed with uh, what happens because the chiefs have the dogs to run the race and we'll, uh, we'll see what happens this weekend. Yeah, you know, a lot of people had eyes on this game because it's a playoff game, right? It's the only game being played at the time. <clears throat> and something I noticed that I hadn't really noticed before, I know people talk about it, but Jawan Taylor false starts on every single play. It's ridiculous. He is out there before the ball moves. I mean, he's up out of his stance on almost every play. I couldn't believe it. I was pointing at the screen. I was talking as he moved again, right? Like he, it's, I'm not the crazy one here. And I mean, he's not the only tackle that does that. A lot of tackles, like another guy be like Lane Johnson, right? Like I think Lane Lane Johnson 
Johnson's elite, but Lane Johnson jumps the snap. I mean, most most tackles do that. It's just they do it close enough that refs let it go. Yeah, so, some of his though were a little a little egregious. Obviously, not game altering whatsoever. Just uh, just something I I noted. And one other thing, again, not being a Dolphins apologist whatsoever here. I think they look pretty pretty bad and we're outclassed most of this game. But Tua was missing throws I've never seen Tua miss. I mean, short screens behind the line of scrimmage, passes five, ten yards downfield. He was just missing them. And he was clearly very uncomfortable. And and I agree mm-hmm. with you, Alex. I, I was very wrong. The Dolphins were never going to win uh, this game. Probably not against this roster of the Chiefs, period, but definitely not in the cold. It uh, It definitely affected the skilled position players on the Dolphins sure. more than mm-hmm. it did the Chiefs. Well, right, yeah. Well, besides Travis Kelsey, who, who yeah. forgot how to catch. That's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So anyway, yeah, I, I think that was uh, – so it wasn't really surprising in that outcome. And uh, But overall, you know, um, the Chiefs are – are uh, the, the real playoffs for them start this week. So that'll be exciting. And, uh, and Rashi Rice, uh, stud, superstar. Yep. Looking may, good, Maybe man. not as certified <laughs> – Number one, maybe you get someone across from him next year, but he eats T. Higgins, maybe? Zone. maybe T. Higgins, maybe come to the Chiefs, uh, T. Higgins. <laughs> we'll take you. <laughs> All right, man. Let's get to the next game here: Packers and Cowboys. That was the next game, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, this was an interesting game. This game was probably the least expected outcome of any of the games. Uh, the Packers came out ready to play. The Cowboys, who had played man coverage and a bit of an air raid offense all, all season, came out running the ball and playing zone defense. So that's an interesting coaching decision. There are a lot of overreactions uh, right going on right now among Cowboys fans. I agree that maybe there need to be some front office changes. But the people calling for Dak's head need to calm down a bit. He played so well most of the season. He was a front runner for MVP for Vegas odds for a hot minute. And this game does not make Dak Prescott a bad quarterback. If you recall, a few years ago, well, actually very recently, people are saying Lamar chokes in the playoffs. Lamar Jackson, he, he's not going to get get there. And, and, you know, he hasn't gone too hasn't gotten there yet. Um, we'll we'll see what happens, but it, it's the same narrative. He's a darn good quarterback. But the Packers came out fighting. They got up what twenty-seven to seven by the half. Jordan Love looked fantastic. Aaron Jones, well, he had a he had a great day. If you're in a playoff fantasy football league and have Aaron Jones, congratulations on your victory. Uh, and Packers are the youngest team in the league, at least on offense, I think, all around. And they are looking good. They're looking good. Yeah, I I agree with that, Cam. I have a couple thoughts as well. One of the things that stood out to me, Cam, is if you would have taken Jordan Love and you would have taken away the number 10 and put a number 12 on there, (laughs) I I would have thought that was Aaron Rodgers. I mean, had you seen those back – when he was throwing the ball off his back foot, I mean, I swear, if I, I was seeing some side-by-sides. It is almost exactly the same throwing motion as Rodgers. And that in itself is just, like, mind-blowing. Like, how, how does that happen? I mean, I know he sits behind him. 
I mean, I knew he sat behind him for a few years and, and, you yeah. know, maybe Rogers gave him some tips, but for him to not just use that throwing motion multiple times, but to throw absolute dimes downfield, that was just, that was, so, I was, I, I got to say, I was super, super impressed with Jordan Love. Um, a little bit like CJ Stroud, where he was playing loose, you know, like no one expected them to go in there and beat the Cowboys, especially because the Cowboys had been undefeated at home all year. And I think that Jordan Love fed off that. He he just kind of went in there and was like, well, I'm just going to throw the ball all over the yard and see what happens. So that was really impressive. Definitely give him his, his flowers for sure. Um, and then I thought, interesting, I saw Aaron Jones said that, you know, he actually had been banged up for most of the year. And so I saw in an interview, he said that he's never felt fresher. So, I mean, he only oh. played. He only played like four games this season because he was hurt so much. And so I guess now he's totally healthy and he sure looked like it, man. He was jumping off the page. He was running downhill. He was, he was making moves. Um, exactly. I mean, the Cowboys tackling effort was pretty pathetic, honestly. Oh, man. Um, so that's certainly a part of it, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I got it, you know, as I'm sure Packers fans are thrilled. This was supposed to be kind of a, you know, let's just sort of give Jordan Love some experience and see what happens kind of year. Um, and then to come in there and just not just beat the Cowboys, but just, I mean, demolish them, destroy them. I mean, that that in itself, that is that's rough. Um, and, and I will say just on your on what you shared about Dak. I mean, I agree that it's not certain. I place more blame on McCarthy than Dak yes. personally, um, as you mentioned, some of the coaching decisions. But I, I think the biggest problem about the situation with Dak is even if you say, okay, Dak's not the answer. Well, what are you going to do? Like, like right. who are you going to get? And, and that's the biggest problem, right? Is are you, are you going to be able to go and actually, I mean, there's not going to, it's not like there's Lamar Jackson that's going to be available in free agency. You know, Patrick, it's not like Patrick Mahomes is available. Right. So it's like, you're going to have what you could try to get cousins, you know? And I mean, but you know, but his injury, you know, it's like, and even if he's healthy, is he, is he really an upgrade over Dak? You know, I mean, are you going to try to go trade a bunch of draft capital and go try to get one of these other young quarterbacks? So overall, I think they're similar to what we said about the Browns. I mean, the Browns are stuck for financial reasons. I, I think the Cowboys are stuck because there's just nobody better that you could get without selling the whole farm and tearing the whole thing down. And I don't think that Jerry wants to do that. Yeah, I I agree. They're they're going to stick with Dak. I, this team has some young star players who need to get paid <clears throat> micah parsons and they they do need to get a bit younger on the offensive line as well but this team is they're, they're gonna compete again next year there's no no doubt in my mind about that eagles uh might not but we'll get there um, the, the the cowboys are are gonna be good again next year now i know 49ers fans who are scared of next week's game against the packers that is how well the Packers played. I'm still taking the 49ers, but if this last week showed you anything, it's not to trust my playoff judgment for these games. <laughs> because I went I went one in five and I'm I'm ready to, to get uh get upset again. These were these are some interesting games. Shall we move on? Let's move on. Let's do it. Rams Lions, the most fun game. Um, in my opinion, of the week, it was absolutely back and forth. Now, the Lions seemed to be ahead for the majority of it. I believe they were about 10 points ahead for a lot of the game. And then the Rams came back. Yeah, Rams are the only team that scored in the fourth quarter, making it a bit close. 
it was 24 to 20 going into the fourth. Um, I thought a couple of the Rams touchdowns, both of them in the second quarter, I thought it was possible that they would go for two on one of them to, to make it. So a field goal tied. Uh, I thought that was an interesting decision. It, it, if your offense is humming, I understand why you don't do that. I don't know. Do you, before getting into any of the players in this game, did you have any thoughts on their decision to kick the extra point? It doesn't seem to be really talked about too much. Yeah, I, I, I guess I, I could understand it both ways, right? Um, I think that McVay obviously has a high level of confidence in what Stafford can do, and, and he should, right? I mean, right. if there's any player to talk about, Stafford, man, that that guy looked. He was on a mission. I mean, he it, it ain't his fault, you know, that they didn't get it done. Because especially in the second half, once he was humming, man, I I thought for sure he was gonna just tear out the hearts of Lions fans. You know, it, it looked for sure that second half, like when he and 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 it, but but man, that last, you know, I I think you're right. I think they could have changed the game had they went for two. And and if you're on the road like that, why not be aggressive and go out there and see what you can do? So I I think I think that certainly would have made sense to go for two. Um, and then I thought that, you know, that decision, uh, they kind of stalled on that last drive, right? I mean, the Rams had their chance. They were down at that point. I think they were down four, um, or maybe even down three. No, it wasn't. No, that I, I don't drive. recall the very end. Oh, uh, actually they were down by one. Yeah. They were down by one okay. and they, and they had that drive late, very, it was like maybe six minutes left. Um, and Stafford had it and was driving pretty good. And I thought, this is this is it. This is where they go down. I take the lead, and then I think they had a penalty and a drop, and put them in a third and long, and they and they and then they decided to, to pass instead of make it shorter, and so then they had to punt, and and of course they once they punted, the Lions kept the ball and they never got it back, um, and so but I thought, man, I thought that was the drive that it was like Stafford was just throwing dimes, um, and uh, so all all in all, I mean, I, I think that the Lions are the more talented team. Um, yeah. Other than at a few points, right? Like I think Goff played fine. I, I would I would still take Stafford over Goff, you know, even based on that performance. Um, I thought that um, another thing. I mean, I think that Aaron Donald is obviously kind of on the way. He's on the decline. I don't think that's a, a an outrageous thing to say. And I thought it was interesting that the uh, that the that the Lions like triple teamed him. Like I mean, almost the entire game. They they you know, especially when he lined up over center. You know, they took the center and both guards and, and all three triple team Donald for most of the game and obviously left their tackles on an island. And it just showed that outside of what Donald's can do, even though there's a couple young guys in the Rams that have been productive, they, they just weren't able to get it done. And uh, and so that was a good coaching, you know, kind of schematic approach, I think, by the Lions. Um, and I think Cooper Cup still banged up. You know, he didn't look to me like he was full strength. So that was one oh, part no. of it. Um, and, uh, and then I just got to say, wow, Puka Nakua, man, that guy, he's, he's so good. He's so good. He's so good. He has such a, he has such a sense in route running that he, he really is, is he already has that chemistry with Stafford where he'll break a route off, um, and, and kind of run a different route to find green space, you know, which is something you see from Travis Kelsey, you know, who's a 10 year veteran, right. Uh, more than that. And so very impressed by Puka Nakua. He has a really bright future for sure. Yeah, I, I remember watching Puka Nakua when I was scouting the wide receivers from last year. I, I was watching because I was watching BYU for someone else. I don't recall who, and he kept jumping, jumping out at me. He he had a couple big plays in the, the few games that I was watching. 
It's like, this guy's kind of good. And I went back and I watched, watch his tape and he was very, he was smooth. He didn't do much. That was too sudden. He didn't appear too athletic. I was like, he could be a decent pickup in the NFL. I like some of the plays he made, but I don't think there's anyone who thought he'd ever become what he did. I mean, he, he was he's a very round, right? fifth, I believe. Oh, fifth round. Wow. He, he's doing steel things on the field that he did not do in college. Like we we're just talking about CJ Stroud. I mean, some of these these routes that he was running, he was never asked to do. He didn't do with this much refinement. Uh, they seem to have some pretty good player development over there in mm-hmm. <laughs> in in LA, especially with Kobe Turner and Byron Young on the opposite side of the ball uh, as rookies. Really, uh, what they they had the second and third most sacks of any any rookies this last year. Yeah, I, think I believe. That's right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, you know, this team crushed the draft. And as we said about the Browns, a lot of hope moving forward. Now Stafford, he is getting up there. Another year older, right? Yep. Yeah, he's yep. going to be 36 by the start of the next season. Uh, so seeing what this team does at quarterback will be interesting. Do they draft someone to develop? Do they go out and uh, do they just neglect it entirely until Stafford's contract is up? I don't know. But it will be interesting to see how this team treats the offseason this year. Yep. Before we move on, Cam, one thing I want to say also is just congrats to Lions fans. So I really am. I'm happy for you guys. As a Chiefs fan, you know, I went my entire life uh, and not remembering or, or, you know, the the last time the Chiefs had won a playoff game was when I was three. So I obviously don't remember it. So I followed them closely my entire life, never saw them. Uh, win a playoff game and at one point they had the longest streak of lost playoff games it eventually you know was then passed to the lions but the chiefs had had that streak before they won their first playoff game and their i think only playoff game with alex smith in 20 uh i guess 2015 um and so all that to say i know what that long drought is like with your team and just wanting them to win one one game and so congrats you know to 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 Lions fans who've certainly been been faithful and following the team all these years and not only did you get one playoff win at home but you got another home game this week and I think a a, a decent shot to certainly win another one. So could definitely congrats to Lions long suffering Lions fans. Uh we're all uh, all in the I think everybody else in the league that's not a a Packers or a Viking Packers or Viking or Bears fan uh is uh cheering you guys on. So congrats. All right, let's get on to the next game. Those Monday games where the Steelers Bills finally ended up playing. If y'all did not see the state of the field on Saturday when they were supposed to play, check out those videos. It is pretty wild with a over a foot of snow, 65 mile per hour winds, blizzard, uh, absolutely unplayable. Now, just to touch on this real quick, I know a lot of people are saying that the NFL is getting soft in terms of when the games are played and all that fun stuff, saying these players should tough it out. Um, do you want to see real football? Do you want the better team to win? Or do you want to – because I feel like that doesn't happen as often in these crazy weather games, right? If you get two teams going on the field, I don't really care how talented you are at quarterback, how well your – what your scheme is normally – um, who you have on offense and defense. It's just, it's so much more luck involved. It's a completely different game, right? So I, I'm i a fan of the, this was obviously a, an egregious case where 
the game had to be moved. They couldn't have played. But I, I would rather watch good football uh, a day later than less than good football on on the day of a, a crazy storm. I, I don't would, know if you would you would you want to see would you want to see everything in a dome? Do you wish that all football was played in a dome? I think every new stadium built should have a dome. Um, I, I think that's just a smart decision at, at this time. Um, yeah, yeah I, I I'm, I'm, I'm the opposite of you on that one. And I understand, like, I understand the, I understand the, the thought process of, you know, playing on a, do- a dome where it's a more, a more neutral type of experience as far as the playing surface and the temperature and all that thing in a sense that both teams should have no problem, you know, being able to play in that type of environment. And I do understand that, but I'm an old school football fan. I like, I like the old, I like the historic side of it. I like the history. I like the AFL, you know, um, going all the way back to the sixties. And so I, I just think that playing in bad weather is a critical part of football. Um, and I think that it gives, and I think it gives an advantage, you know, I think it does give an advantage to the teams that are used to playing in that. I mean, obviously, you know, you think about even just Tua, right. He was, he was, he lived in Hawaii, right. So he's from Hawaii and then he plays in the sec, you know, at Alabama. So it's like, he spends all of his time. I mean, it doesn't go further North than, you know, North Carolina. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. and then, uh, and then, of course, you know, playing for Miami. And, I mean, he's had a pretty, you know, he's obviously struggled in cold weather. And in some ways, I totally get it. I mean, there's the, the coldest he probably ever played in growing up was like 70 degrees. So, um, you know, but but I, I, I think that I think it's just I love the I love football and the elements. I love it. It's it's it becomes a physical sloppy. You know, I, I just I love that. You know, I love the history of Lambeau and, and Kansas City and Pittsburgh and and Chicago and all of these cold weather places. Um, so I love it. So I, I hope that I hope we still get to have football in the snow in uh, in cold places. But um, but I'm old school. Fair enough. All right. Now, Bills Steelers. Bills got off to an early lead. They looked to be dominating. They scored two very early touchdowns at the half. It was 21 to 7. And then they maintained that spread of points throughout the rest of the game pretty much so well you know, uh, until the until the fourth i mean the the steelers did close all the way to within seven points in the fourth quarter um so it was a one score game in the fourth quarter and then the bills scored two more right, right. pretty quickly but yeah i mean I, I i i not not to cut you off that cam sorry uh i was just gonna say that i i thought that honestly it wasn't i wasn't blown away by the performance of the bills i mean they did what they needed to do um, the Steelers made some, you know, had two, two pretty costly turnovers there, both of those leading to touchdowns, um, in the first half for the bills. So, and one of them in the red zone, I mean, that was just a backbreaker there. So, I mean, if the, if the Steelers were able to, you know, keep them turning the ball over and even turn in one of those do a touchdown and save a touchdown, you know, then I think it, and, and I think through the third quarter, honestly, the Steelers pretty much dominated the third quarter, you know, um, scored, you know, we're, we're scoring, moving the ball. And, uh, I think being a more physical team. Um, and then it was sort of like the, the bills were like sleepwalking and then they sort of like woke up and were like, Oh wait, we need to score some more touchdowns. And then they easily scored a couple touchdowns late. So obviously the bills were a much better team, but you know, the fact that the Steelers fought through it, I'll say one thing about them of all the teams that got blown out. They, to me look like they are the best are the most well-coached and they have the most effort. I mean, you you just watch those Steeler guys. I mean, they were they they loved that cold weather. They, I mean, like guys like Cam Hayward. I mean, they were throwing their bodies 
every play. And uh, there, you know, and sometimes their tackling on the back end wasn't great. But I just think that to compared to the Dolphins and compared to especially the Cowboys and of course the Eagles, you know, the Steelers <laughs> looked like even though they were by far le- the least talented team, um, the effort was there. Um, they were ready to play. And I think that's a reflection of their head coach who who knows what he's doing. Yeah, and he knows what he's doing next year, too. He said he's coming back. So yep. I know there was some speculation about that. He's a great coach. He's going to continue to be a great coach. And this seems going to continue to overperform for the amount of talent yep. Yep. that they, they have. Right. They, have a, they have a talent problem, not an effort problem, which I think yes. is the opposite of especially like Dallas. And <laughs> <laughs> Philadelphia, that we'll get to yes. very shortly. Yes, Man, that'll be fun to talk about. But right now, Josh Allen, he looked good through the air and on the ground. This is one of those games, you know, you never know which kind of Josh Allen you're going to get. This Josh Allen was the 70% completion percentage, three touchdown, no interception, and what what is it, 74 yards on the ground? Now, yeah, that one. Like 50-yard run, yeah, that was sweet. I I use this term very lightly uh, in this this instance, but the quote controversial run, uh, uh, touchdown run where he may or may not have done a fake slide, got the defenders slowed down and then broke the tackle and, and kept running. My first thought was that he was trying to pivot without losing his footing and stutter step before accelerating. That's very common. Um, but I do know because he's a quarterback, a lot of people think that he was uh, fake sliding either way. What the rule is right now, uh, you know, he can take advantage of it. He can do that. I, I have, if the rule stays as is, I have yeah. no issue with quarterbacks doing that. Um, yeah, if I, the I, NFL I, wants to address it in another capacity, sure. But I, I think it's, I personally think it's fine as is. Yeah, I don't have a problem with it because I, to me, I still put on the defender, right? Like whether or not, I mean, it was obviously extremely slick. So it's very possible that he just lost his footing and was trying to regain it, right? Um, that's very possible. You obviously can't, you know, review that and no intent. But even even right. if he was doing a fake slide, right? It's still on the defender. I mean, I mean, how many times you see a guy going up for a slide, and what do you see the defender do? You see him dive over top of him, right? Yeah. That's 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 why, right? Is so that way that as that quarterback goes in, because if that quarterback decides not to slide, you can hit him. So so that's what I so that's why like I have no problem. And in fact, if I was a defender. That's what I that's what I should be doing, right? I should be coached up to, to know to do that. If he looks like he's gonna slide, yeah. you still close the gap on him and then you just jump over him. And I know, yeah, it's cold, you know, you might land and you know who knows what, but but still, like if you would do that, then the worst that happens is he doesn't slide and then you hit him and then hopefully bring him down. So I don't have a problem with it on Josh Allen's side. I I'd put the blame on the Steelers. Okay. Yeah, I agreed. Agreed. Now there was later in the game. Uh, the penalty on Josh Allen when he slid and people were saying, oh, that's because they thought he was going to, you know, they, he had to go for it because of fake slide earlier. I think that's nonsense and Twitter just overreacting. But uh, either way, I think the Bills outplayed the Steelers for the most part in that game. I know it really did hurt the Steelers that TJ Watt was not available. I yep. saw before the game or lately set the announcer said it at one point that they were one in 10 without Watt starting, which is pretty wild um whether all those games are (laughs) losses because of him are you know uh, neither here nor there but he's a very good player and it's unfortunate he was sidelined but um you know mason rudolph is not the answer i do think it was the best decision 
going into the uh, playoffs and sticking with him. This is another team where I don't know what they're going to do about quarterback in the offseason. Yep, they don't agreed. have a very obvious uh, route, right? They have roughly pick 20 in the draft again. And uh, that that's where they took Pickett before. I like the potential mid to late first round quarterbacks in um, Bo Nix and Michael Penix. I know some people are a lot lower on them. I like them more than I liked Kenny Pickett. Um, so whether they just stand stand pat and draft BPA, whether that's a quarterback or not, um, is is one option. Going after some like Cousins is another. But going into next season with Kenny Pickett at the helm, it, it doesn't seem like there is much confidence around the organization. And that includes the players, right? Yep. And if the players aren't confident in who's who's at the helm, then they're not going to play as well, no matter how well he plays. That That's just just how it is, right? Now, if he yep. goes out there and has, you know, several back-to-back crazy good games, it could turn it around. But I think we've seen enough to know that, that that's just not who he is. Yeah, I agree. They're in kind of like no man's land once again. You know, they, they can't really go get a really talented young guy unless they give up, you know, give up the farm. Um, and they're they're going to be – I mean, as we've seen with Mike Tomlin, they're good, They're going to have a winning record every year. Like they're going to win nine or ten games every year, um, which will give you a chance to sneak in the playoffs like, like they have, but they're not going to be able to make noise. Um, and that's just a reality. Even if you like Kenny Pickett, right, even if you say Kenny Pickett has a, great, has a lot of upside, okay – so here's the question. In in the playoffs, on the road, right, because they're probably going to be on the road, do you see him beating Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and or Lamar Jackson? Um, and, and now maybe C.J. Stroud? Um, and then maybe even like Trevor Lawrence, right? <laughs> I mean, you go on. I mean, you know, even though Lawrence, you know, he hasn't really earned it. But, you know, Justin Herbert, right? Uh, the point being that the AFC is so stacked with elite quarterback play of guys that are all pretty young and are going to be around, you know, maybe in the AFC for the next decade. And so because of that, like if now you've seen him enough, if you like, even if you like Pickett, do you think he's going to have, even with the right pieces around him enough to beat those guys? No, it ain't happening. So you, so you got to go back to the drawing board and figure out what your best net, what your best options are. And, and as we've been saying, Pittsburgh's been performing above their talent level. I mean, they need players that keep positions. It's not just quarterback. They need a, another cornerback across from Joey Porter Jr., they need multiple offensive line pieces. Mason Cole at center is not going – he's not going to be their center next year. There's no way. Now, center isn't a guy you you draft in the first round, especially not in this class. But, I mean, they, they need either one or two offensive tackles. I mean, they, they need players at very important positions, and, and they're going to need to attack it uh, pretty hard or else they're not going to be able to, to, to compete with those other teams through the playoffs. Now, under Tomlin – I think they can keep getting back to the playoffs, even in one of the hardest divisions in the NFL. They're, they're, it's just, I, again, you see it in, in Houston now. They have a great coaching staff and are overperforming, in my opinion. And same with the Steelers. So won't spend any more time on it. But again, another fun team to watch as they move forward this offseason. Yep. So looking at the last game, Cam, can you, uh, which of course is the Buccaneers Eagles. Uh, how happy were you with the, uh, with the Eagles total and utter collapse? Yes. No, I was. <laughs> <laughs> so first of all, um, I want to, I want to give, give the man some respect. Jason Kelsey just retired uh, today or yesterday, I believe today. Yeah. 
and he is a class act. He's a very nice guy. He's always been respectful. Uh, I've never had any any negativity towards towards him. Uh, never felt anything bad coming to the you know uh, with the NFC East rivalry. He's always just been a good dude, an amazing player, and uh, wish him the best uh, here on out in his life. Mm-hmm. Now that I've gotten that out of the way, man, <laughs> the Eagles have completely imploded. There are, I know there are rumors of uh, Jalen Hurts and Sirianni not not really getting along. Um, Sirianni is, I believe, a lot less professional acting than Jalen Hurts. I think it's absolutely that's an understatement. <laughs> yeah, I think it's absolutely ridiculous that. Um, the Eagles offensive coordinator, Brian Johnson, is being considered for head coaching positions. Um, his play calling has been truly abysmal. Now, right before this podcast, I I saw an article saying Eagles players don't know who's calling the plays. I don't know how much much to put in, uh, a stock to put into that random headline I just saw. But if it is Brian Johnson, man, uh, he has requests already from the Panthers and the Titans one if the Panthers hire him I am sorry Tepper has done a terrible job so far owning you guys I wish you the best I've always liked the Panthers and then the Titans can you imagine going from Vrabel to Brian Johnson I'm I'm getting off off track going on a tangent but man uh Eagles lost five in their last six games six in their last seven six in their last seven six in their last seven yeah and uh, you know, Brian Baldinger, I, I've mentioned him before on Twitter. He has some very good film breakdowns of yeah, the Eagles like and Bucks yeah. games. Uh, the defense wasn't playing defense. The offense wasn't playing any sort of recognizable offense. And I've talked many, many times on this podcast saying I think that the Eagles, I still think they are top to bottom. I've been saying the most talented roster in the NFL. I still think they're at least top three. They might still be the most talented uh, top to bottom. Do they have issues? Yes. Every team has issues, right? The Eagles have have um, a weaker at cornerback. Uh, Nicobe Dean is on IR, and the rest of the linebacking core has been poor. But I don't know how poor the players are, the, these, these players who are stepping in, because the scheme is so bad, they don't have the chance – to really prove themselves. I, I mean, every time the Buccaneer, a Buccaneers player got the ball and was about to be tackled, I thought he was going down and he'd get nine more yards. And the tackling was, was unacceptable. That Agreed. is on the players, yeah. right? Tackling in one-on-one situations and effort in the secondary. There was minimal effort by yep. the secondary. And it seemed like the entire defense gave up. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to say that necessarily about the offense because I know it seems like a lot of the individual players are still putting a lot of effort in. Devonta Smith is still an incredible wide receiver. He's just mm-hmm. overshadowed by uh, AJ Brown. And I think they both could legitimately be top 10, top 12 wide receivers in the NFL. Um, Jalen hurts. I'm, I don't love him as much as other people as a player, but man, he did not have, any chance in this game Buccaneers blitz almost every play and mm-hmm. not just on third down. They blitz on first down on second down. There was never an answer to it. The wide receivers didn't get their heads around by the time Jalen hurts was getting sacked every single time. Yep. It, I, there was no offensive adjustment. I think 
they, this, they need to clean house with their coordinators. I think Sirianni needs to go. Um, maybe this is an overreaction, but I don't think it is with how this organization has completely imploded over the last mm-hmm. two months. Yeah, I agree with everything you said there. And uh, and folks that have been following our podcast for a while, you'll know that there's a couple coaches and, uh, you know, hey, I, I take wins and losses. You know, sometimes we sometimes Cam and I predict things right. Sometimes we're wrong. And one of the things that I've been <laughs> right on is that Brandon Staley, bad head coach. Right. That was pretty evident this year. Uh, the other one I said is I've been on Sirianni all year. Why? Because <laughs> I think Sirianni is a fraud. Um, I don't think he doesn't, even though he comes, you know, he used to be an offensive coordinator for the Colts before he came over um, and, and became the head coach for the Eagles. But a couple things that irritate me is, you know, now maybe he was calling some plays. It sounds like maybe they didn't know who was calling plays. Who knows? But I know that last year he definitely didn't call the plays. And this year, you know, because he had give, given up play calling the year before. Um, so he hasn't been calling plays, at least not exclusively for now two or three years. Um, and of course, last year, you know, I think what we really saw was was how great those coordinators were, right? How great Steichen and were. Gannon were. And I know it looked like, you know, I know, I know, I know Eagles fans were calling for Gannon's head after the collapse in the second half of the Super Bowl. But you also, you know, you lost to Patrick Mahomes, you know, and Andy Reid. I mean, that happens. It's gonna it's already happened to other teams, it's gonna happen again. Uh, but I think that uh Sirianni, I think the other thing that I, I think you pointed out and I cannot emphasize enough is he is immature. He's immature, you know, and if you don't believe me, I want you to go watch, watch the, watch the, the, the sideline behavior of some of the greatest and winningest coaches. Just look up the winningest coaches and start watching them and, uh, and videos of them, how they are on the sideline. What you are not going to see is the Sirianni hooting and hollering, running up and down the sideline, hooting and hollering. And it's like, you don't even call plays. You don't even make an impact on the game. So to me, Sirianni, obviously he lost the locker room. I mean, it's obvious he lost the locker room, right? And then you yeah. go to the fact that once he lost the locker room, you know, he couldn't get it back. And and obviously his his play callers, right? His 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 coordinators were not were not up to they didn't have a scheme that was good enough to then channel these players. So I 100 percent maybe not 100 percent, but maybe 98 percent of this I put on Sirianni and, and of course, those that put him in that position as head coach. So I think he's got to go. I think he will go. I'll be shocked if he's not fired, um, honestly. Um, And then the other thing I noticed is that I think that this Eagles team is going to have some massive changes next year because they just look slow. And and I think that that's a part. I know effort is certainly – I know you mentioned effort, but like their secondary are all like guys that were elite like three years ago, right? Um, You know, um, know, Bradbury, right, and Slay – and uh, I know Darby's been good at times, right? But all those guys, man, they just look compared to some of the, uh, you know, some of some of the receivers, you know, on on uh, on the Bucks. I mean, they just looked, they looked slow. They looked like they couldn't react. They looked like they didn't want anything to do with tackling White in the open field and some other guys. So overall, you know, and then you think about Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham. You know, I mean, those guys certainly still play at a, a high level, but they're they're not getting any younger. Um, so I think we're going to see a pretty big turnover of uh, turnover of the guard, you know, with the, with the Eagles. I think there's going to be a new coach, and I think we're going to see a big influx of young talent. Um, and I think that uh, depending on how those things shake out, you know, I, I don't know what I don't know what to think of the Eagles. I guess we'll have to get through the offseason and see uh, see where they're at. Yeah, and, and with their secondary, I do still think they have some 
under the radar guys like rookie Keely Ringo. He's had a very poor season in my opinion, but you know, he, he was a fourth round pick for a reason as well, but I really liked him coming out. I thought he was going to go in the, the second round, honestly. And, and I think he could, he could uh, develop a bit and come out as a potentially solid number two in a year or two. Um, he was more known as an athlete uh, as opposed to a cornerback. So he has a ways to go, but you know, they, they, they have, they do have some young talent who can probably step up, right? They have Nolan Smith taking snaps here and there. I don't think they're using him very well. Um, I, uh, utilization of, of good players, right? It, it matters a lot. So don't have to say too much more on this, I, but I do want to just bring up the fact that I think Eagles fans were concerned starting week one of the season. I think they were watching that Patriots game uh, where they only won by five and thinking, oh no. This is this is different, right? They the the offensive play calling was clearly not it, the passing game was not as refined, and they went in the following week against the Vikings, and uh, Jalen Hurts appeared to be struggling. So DeAndre Swift got twenty eight carries for one hundred seventy five yards. I remember that game very clearly. So it's like they can't pass on one of the worst passing defenses at the time in the league, and so they just ran it, and they ran very well because they have very good players. Um, so it, it was just, yeah, they started 10 and one. And I have, I thought they were going to be the Buccaneers, right? That, that was my prediction, but uh, yeah, it, a lot's going to change this off season. Yep. It's been a great week for commanders fans really has. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and with that, uh, with that cam, let's do a quick recap of uh, what we got right and what we got wrong on our brackets. Um, and then I know we're, we're flying through here. So then we'll just spend a few minutes talking about yeah. the upcoming games. And then I know we want to talk about some coaches. So not to spend too long on it. Um, I got my AFC picks um, right. So I did have the, of course, Chiefs beating the Dolphins. And I did pick the Texans. So I got both of that part of the bracket right. Um, and then on the NFC side, um, I did have the Bucks beating the Eagles. So got that right. Uh, but then I missed the other two. I had lion. I had lions losing to the Rams, so of course that was wrong. And then I had the uh, Cowboys beating the Packers. So, um, so I guess I went uh, three and two in my picks. Is that right? I four and went, two. Uh, oh yeah, no, I had the Bills as well. Yeah, so I went four and two with my wild card picks. So uh, not shabby, not shabby. What about you? Well, I was really rooting for the Steelers because I thought y'all would be really impressed if I went 0 and 6, but I did. <laughs> Steelers could not pull it out. 1 and 5 over here. I uh, can't tell by my voice. I've been sick for like 3 weeks now, so I'm going to use that as an excuse. Brain was clearly messed up last week. But from here on out, it's going to be 100% correct as we guaranteed 2 <laughs> weeks ago. There we go. There we go. All right, so looking ahead then, let's start taking a quick look at the games coming up. So first divisional playoff game we have, um, which is probably where the Texans will just always be because they're just not as big of a brand. Um, it's going to be the first. They're, they're probably always going to be in that first slot on Saturday. <laughs> Most of the times they're in the playoff. But uh, we got Houston Texans. We got Baltimore Ravens. Uh, right now it's Baltimore by nine. Um, who you got? I got Baltimore. I, I had him in my bracket or the one we did last week going to the Super Bowl. I'm going to keep it that way. Yeah, I think I think so, too, especially because this is out. We talked a little about the weather, right? Um, I don't think CJ Stroud has played well um, out, outdoors uh, this year. At least I, I saw something about that. Um, 
And so with that, I mean, I think the Texans are fun now. I think they're, they've had a great year, great run. That was a fun win for their, for their fans, but I just don't see them winning this game. Maybe they can cover the spread and keep it close. That's certainly possible, but I would be, uh, I'd be, I'd be really shocked if they found a way to win. So yeah, I'm going to take the Ravens as well. We've talked Uh, a lot about talent. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Just real quick. We've talked a lot about talent. We've talked a lot about coaching. I think that they both have very good coaching and the Ravens just have significantly more talent than the Texans at this point in time. All right, let's go on to the next one. As you said, 49ers Packers. I'll keep this short. I know the Packers played their their behinds off this last week. Uh, Jordan Love looks like the next Aaron Rodgers, maybe. Uh, I'm taking 49ers once again, uh, exactly for the reasons I just said. More talent, yep. uh, better coaching, same coaching level. Uh, it's arguable, but just highly talented uh, roster with skill positions. Um, that are the best in the NFL. Yep. Yeah. And actually I, I, same thing, basically same reasons. I will say, I think this is a little bit of an underrated coaching matchup because I do like what LaFleur is doing. Um, right. But I think that we have seen though, that consistently Kyle Shanahan has sort of taken LaFleur to the woodshed and coaching in these playoff matchups. Um, and it's even when, and that was even with Rogers, right? I mean, twice in a row Rogers wins MVP and then they lose to the 49ers. Well, one year they lost to the Bucks, and the other year they lost to the 49ers um, in the playoffs. But uh, but either way, um, yeah, I think that LaFleur, I like what LaFleur's doing. I think he's a great, bright, young coach, but I would still give the edge over to Shanahan in that coaching matchup. So same thing. I would, I'll would i take the 49ers too. The, the only thing that concerns me a little bit is that three-game loss streak that the 49ers had in midseason against the Browns, Vikings, and Bengals that just yeah. seemingly came out Purdy of nowhere. Purdy was throwing interceptions. and Yeah, yeah, they just didn't play yeah. as well. There wasn't anything special that happened in, in any of those games, but I guess that was kind of the problem, right? Uh, aside from Christian McCaffrey, it seemed like things were not uh, humming, and it, it came out of nowhere the week after beating Dallas 42-10. to 10. So it uh, the consistency... Uh, is slightly worrisome, but assuming San Francisco shows up, they should win this game. Yep. After that, we then go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers visiting the Detroit Lions. Um, and that one has uh, the second smallest line. Of course, the tightest line is going to be the last game, but this right now has Detroit favored by six and a half. Um, no, I'm really tempted to pick the Bucks. I was super impressed, honestly, with – you know, I, I think I think what a lot of people forget about this Bucks team is they this is a championship football team. I mean, I mean, the, a lot of the core pieces that won the Super Bowl with Tom Brady are still there. Evans, Godwin, both linebackers, right? White and um, David. Um, they got Vita Vea, right? I mean, they have a lot of players, and of course, Todd Bowles was the d- d- defensive coordinator on that Super Bowl winning team. So, I mean. I mean, obviously the quarterback's different, but they have a lot of these pieces or guys that were on that Super Bowl squad. And I was super impressed with their physicality. And so I like what the Lions are doing. I, I like what they bring to the table. But, you know, there's there's always pretty much always at least one road team that wins in the uh, in the divisional round. So I'm going to I'm going to ride another week with the Bucks. I also liked Baker Mayfield. I thought he played great. His arm looked good. They actually dropped passes. I mean, if they weren't dropping passes, there would have been a couple more touchdowns there. So I think he's got a, he's got he's clearly playing with more confidence than I think I've seen him play with maybe ever. 
you know, when he was in uh, when he was in Cleveland and of course his other couple stops. So got to have an upset somewhere. Um, and uh, sorry, Lions fans, I'm going to have to pick against you this week. So I, I think there's a good shot the Bucks win this game. Yeah, people <clears throat> kind of forget that Baker Mayfield started his career with the Browns, right? And the dark times we don't talk about, which for the Browns, that is any year before this one. And <laughs> then he went to, he was in Carolina, right? Where, and he just, it seemed like he was not playing well and he wasn't, right? That Odell Beckham's dad released that video mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, pretty legendary uh, with him just missing Odell on Y open. But his coach was Freddie Kitchens, right? So right. like <laughs> Right. And now, you know, he comes here and I I heard a, a few Bucks fans saying that they they were pretty optimistic with Baker's performance. They they kind of wanted to tank for a quarterback, the ones I was talking to, but um Baker just will give his receivers a chance. And they gave him Mike Evans, right? He passes down the field well and this last game was probably the worst game I've ever seen by Mike Evans where he didn't play um, Lattimore and the Saints. <laughs> Besides those Saints games, it, it was bad. He just dropped some some bombs that went right through his hands, especially the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that was entirely the on Touchdown him. ball. Yeah. Yeah. Baker is dropping those deep dimes. And I do think he's going to be able to do that again. I do think Evans is going to be able to haul them in because he is an excellent player. Uh, Lions secondary is not good. And all that said, I'm going to go against you and I will take the Lions li- this round. I, I think they're they're going to come out fighting again. Um, Jameer Gibbs didn't get the ball very much this last game, which was interesting. It was mostly he looked uh, good Montgomery. When he did, though. Yeah, he looked good. When yeah, he, he, when he, he always though, does, right? though. Yep. So I, I think I think this will be the closest game of the week. Um, I think it just ends up that way and the Lions will take this one. Cool, cool. And that takes us to the last game. Um, obviously, the NFL, um, the schedule makers, uh, you know, obviously put this as the the primetime slot, the uh, the big, the kind of the big Kahuna game um, in the uh, in the divisional round. Of course, that's the Chiefs visiting the Bills. The line right now favoring Buffalo at two and a half. So obviously, you know, Vegas, you know, give, given a couple points there for for being at home, and they think that this will be close. And uh, and I agree. Um, I think that most analysts we're going to see this week are going to talk about the Bills and how amazing the Bills are. Um, and the Bills are good, and I'll give them credit for that. Um, but I think that people are sleeping on the Chiefs, and uh, obviously I have the Chiefs winning this game. A um, couple thoughts on that. You know, the, the play, obviously playoff, playoff experience of winning at the highest levels. Um, I also – I know that the uh, couple injuries um, really hurt, you know, hurt the Bills in that game. They're missing some linebackers. Um, I think that could definitely, definitely hurt them. Um, the Chiefs are the healthier team. The Chiefs have the better defense uh, between the two. I know they're on the road, but the Chiefs 100%. have the better defense. Um, and the Chiefs, while while Josh Allen is certainly dynamic, and there's there's absolutely things about I love about Josh Allen. Um, obviously, Mahomes is uh, is better, and, I, and Mahomes has proven it, proven it at the highest levels, proven it in the playoffs time and time again, and even against Josh Allen. And Mahomes is a stone cold killer. Um, and 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 you look at Mahomes in his, his, even if you look at his road and home splits, he actually plays better on the road uh, in the regular season year after year um, than he actually does at home, which is kind of surprising. So uh, with that in mind. I think the Chiefs are going to go in there. I think that a lot of people are sleeping on them. I think it's going to be lower scoring than what people think because the Chiefs obviously aren't high flying. 
even if they get it done. But I think they're going to lean into the run game. And I think that similar to what the Bengals did, people forget last year, the Bengals, right? When the Bengals played the Bills last year, they dominated the line of scrimmage uh, on both sides of the ball. And and even as great as Allen was, Allen wasn't able to overcome that. And I think it's going to be similar this year. I think that the Chiefs' defensive line in particular, between Chris Jones and Karloftis, um, and even and, and Omenahue, those three guys have been putting immense amount of pressure on quarterbacks, and uh, and they are big and they're physical. Um, so they, they have that. And then, of course, the interior offensive line for the Chiefs on the other side, Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, and Joe Tooney. Um, I think the Chiefs are going to be dominating at the point of attack on both sides of the ball on the offensive and defensive line. And I think because of that, as great as Josh Allen, I think probably will play. Um, I, I give the Chiefs the edge there. Um, and, uh, you know, who knows? Like we said, Josh Allen could easily come out, sling a couple YOLO balls, um, you know, have one or two of them picked by the Chiefs defense. And uh, and I think the Chiefs pull out a road victory. I don't think it's certainly I'm not expecting a blowout, but I, I but I give me the Chiefs, um, let's say, 20 to 17. Oh, lower, lower scoring. Yep. OK, well, I've very publicly been betting against the Chiefs at various times over the last two years. It has gone wrong almost every time. And by almost, I mean literally every time I, I bet against them. I didn't think they were going to win the division last year. So I decided to change. And I had them winning the division this year. Going into the playoffs, I had them losing. And they dominated. So I'm going to change because I'm a smart man. I'd like to think so anyway. And so I have the Chiefs beating the Buffalo Bills as well. You know, I, I my main argument for the Bills Winning is how on fire Josh Allen can be. And just to counter, the other side of the field is Mahomes. So that's not as great of an argument. Um, and as you said, Alex, the defense of the um, of the Chiefs is significantly better. It just is. And they're healthier. And I think that Mahomes will be able to pick apart this, um, this back seven, if you will, of of Buffalo pretty easily with Kelsey and Rice. I don't think he'll need much else to go his way. And honestly, it's just fun rooting for Isaiah Pacheco at this point because, man, I don't think anyone runs harder in the cold it's besides true. maybe Derrick Henry, right? Yeah. I mean, he, he's just ferocious. I don't think he gets cold. I don't think he has feelings. I'm not even sure he's a man. He is just running like a madman out there. He so, is, man. He's wild. Uh, man, he's fun to it's watch. Fun. So he, he also be- he also does high knees. He runs like he has like he's doing high knees over like you know the little like ropes or something. <laughs> Lots of practice, right? That's yep. how you get there. So yeah, I'll, I'll take the Chiefs. Not going to bet against them again until next year when I inevitably bet against them. There you go. No. So there you go, everybody. So that's you know we'll, we'll of course our brackets look a little different based on our wins and losses in the in the wild card round, but but those are our picks for the uh, divisional round. It's going to be another great week of football. Uh, but while teams are some teams, some fortunate teams are prepping uh, for the divisional round, uh, other teams are at home, and some of them don't even have a coach. So Cam, can can you give us an update on what is going on in the coaching rumor mill and uh, and what your thoughts are on how some of this will shake out? Yeah, so so there's a lot going on, right? But most of it's behind the scenes, right? Atlanta, for instance, they they requested about a dozen different head coaching uh, head coaches, and they've already sort of completed 
again, behind the scenes, one, two, three, four, five, six of them, right? So these teams are moving fast. So I'm not going to do a lot of speculating. We're getting getting a bit towards the end of our time time here. Want to keep it short. But what I do want to uh, do want to say is, first of all, New England hired Gerard Mayo. Uh, we weren't sure what was going to happen. Everyone was saying Vrabel. Um, I, I just saw this news. And with Mayo as the head coach, it's curious to where Vrabel ends up. So uh, definitely going to be following him over these next few days. I think by the time we record our next podcast, more coaches might or more teams might have head coaches right Mm -hmm. um ben johnson has been requested by i believe six different teams already and he's still in the playoffs most of these coordinators are still in the playoffs so i know that he has a zoom call with the commanders on friday and with that i just want to talk a little bit about the commanders because adam peters new gm right came over Mm -hmm. from the 49ers he had his presser this morning. And I love listening to these because it's usually about 20 to 25 minutes of absolutely nothing followed by uh, with 30 seconds here and there of snippets that, that could indicate which way or, or what's going to be happening. Right. So just some takeaways I had from the Adam Peters presser earlier after he got done listing uh, the people uh, he was thankful for, for about 10 minutes, uh, the things that kept coming up were, Alignment on views, long-term success, building the right way, and getting smart people in the building. That's what Harris and Peters kept saying over and over again as a response to every single question that they want to build this team the right way. They want to have smart people here. They're not looking for any type of person, offensive head coach, defensive head coach. You know, there's there all these interviews going on, but Harris just bought the team for over $6 billion, Harris and company, right? He knows what he wants to do. He's a smart man. He he knows the kinds of people he wants to bring in. He has an idea of, of exactly what he wants to do moving forward. And he wants people who align with that, um, with that objective of his. And he also indicated that Adam Peters uh, is getting paid a lot of money over the next five years. He signed a five-year contract. And I think that, you know, on top of being a good leadership group, you know, it's too early to, to give them that, that title yet, but I think they've proven through their, the other organizations that, that it is probably going to be a good leadership group. Um, You know, I, I just think that, that there's a lot of hope moving forward that hasn't been there in a while, right? Uh, Dan Snyder bought the team in 1999. We haven't been able to do much since then, but Peter said specifically at the end, he said, we're going to build through the draft and supplement through free agency, which is awesome because a lot of people come in to an organization. They want to win. They want to win, 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 win right now Buy wins with free agency. They go out, spend a ton of money. I know. Um, I don't recall if it was a new GM uh, or anything, but in, um, in Jacksonville, they went in and uh, after urban Myers left and they just, bought lots of players and they were better but there's they're not in the playoffs right they they were just locked in to win the season and they didn't and these teams that are building through the draft for long-term success are doing better so i'm just going to say to, to wrap this up the commanders are not going to be good next year they're not and that is okay 
They have so many needs. Everywhere is a need. They have uh, Jonathan Allen on contract, who honestly might be traded. They have Deron Payne on a big contract. Probably can't be traded with that contract. They have Terry McLaurin, who I, I think they should keep him, especially if they're going to uh, try and develop a young quarterback. We saw it happen when you traded away DJ Moore in Carolina, mm -hmm. right? You see what's happening to Bryce Young. But besides those three guys, I mean, what? You have Sam Cosme, great right guard. Guard's usually not considered a foundational piece of a full team. He's going he's gonna to be on the team. But everywhere else, uh, I mean, we need probably two new tackles. Charles Leno Jr., uh, big cap hit this year. Not too big. I actually think they might retain him. Uh, Wiley on the other side, he just didn't play well this year. Left guard's probably the biggest need in the entire, entire draft besides quarterback. And uh, probably need another wide receiver to help out with whatever quarterback we end up taking at two, Caleb Williams, Drake May. Assuming that happens, um, it, it's not locked, right? Anything can happen. I'm sure they're going to, but not going to be good next year. Might not even be good the year after that. But if they build through the draft, right, they get all the smart people in the building that they want and all, all align on their views and they aren't, they don't have an ownership group that is rushed to just get rid of Peters, get rid of whoever they bring in as head coach uh, within the upcoming weeks. Uh, if they're not winning within two years. I, I think this really is a good turning point for the team. I'm very excited. And again, I'll say it one more time. We're not going to be good next year. And that's okay. So that, that's my little spiel on everything that's been going on with the commanders. Uh, I have some, some candidates I'm hoping for, but I will support whoever they end up bringing in. There you go. There you go. Already next season prediction, everybody. Um, I will say a quick, a quick sneaky thing to look at, uh, a, a sneaky landing spot uh, for Vrabel, because I agree he is uh, certainly a guy that we'll be keeping a close eye on. And I bet Arthur Smith goes with him as well, wherever they end up probably going. I bet they go together. Um, I think Dallas is a sneaky place or even Philly. Um, and I know neither one of those technically have coaching openings right mm -hmm. now. But I think that Vrabel brings a consistent physicality um, you know, from a coaching staff. And obviously he knows what he's doing with what he's been able to do with uh, probably not even very good Tennessee roster, um, you know, over the years. And so, you know, I think that both of those places, uh, I think if they get rid of their current coaches, I think could be sneaky landing spots for, uh, for Rabel. So keep an eye on that. Um, but go ahead. I just, I was just uh, on the rumor mill as well. Belichick's already completed one interview, and that interview was with the Falcons. Falcons. Yeah, so. I heard that too. Yep, which I don't know if I'm – I don't know. I, I, that may not be my first choice if I'm Belichick. But I, I think – I do I, I do think more teams are going to go after Belichick than some folks expect. I know he's 72, and he's not going to – and he's not a long-term answer at coach. But obviously, if you just want to put people in the seats and be competitive with what you have – um, and you already think you're a coach away, um, then obviously he's going to get a lot of attention from the owners. And so we'll, we'll see what happens with him. But, uh, but anyway, so with that, um, we'll keep everybody posted on, on coaching changes, of course, as we go along. Uh, but uh, looking forward to another great week of football. Um, Cam, you have any closing thoughts on uh, this upcoming weekend? No, man, that's it. I'm just looking forward to seeing these games. I do think there'll be, uh, there'll be some tighter games than the ones uh, from this last week. Those were fun, but I want some more nail biters, man. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, with that, thank you so much, everybody. It has been a blast to do the show together um, and continuing to uh, take you guys through the playoffs. So 
Uh, with that, everybody have a uh, great weekend and enjoy another week of football. Peace. Peace.